Pale moonbeams filtered through the long glass pane in the window of the log cabin and pierced the thick gloom. A foul stench filled the one room where Izzy Snipes, a withered old crone, squirmed her stinking, pain-racked body about on a bed covered with dirty quilts. Her once bewitching black eyes, now strange and beady, mirrored the agony of her body and soul. Bed sores and rheumatic joints made sharp twinges of pain go through her body so that she groaned aloud. Her pitiful moans brought Zachary Snipes, her wasted and wizened old husband, to her side. He bent over her and gently pleaded in his wispy little voice. Izzy, why don't you pray? Surely God will pay more mind to your prayers than to your moans and groans. Like hell I ought to pray, she snapped. You know damn well, you old hypocrite, why I can't pray. God knows it too. I can't cry, I can't scream, I can't even die. If I could get shed of this suffering here on earth and go on to hell where I know I'm going anyhow, I'd be better off. It's another one of the devil's ways of punishing me. A tear ran down her sunken, wrinkled cheek. Zach, you're poking fun at me by praying. I'd be the laughing stock of God and all his angels if I tried to pray. No, it's too late now even if I could pray. I told you once how I sold my soul to the devil when I was a pretty young gal. He promised to keep me pretty, to give me money, and to give me power over folks. Yep, he kept me pretty for a few years extra, but he never gave me no money. And the little bit of power I had over folks ain't doing me a bit of good right now. And the devil will cheat you every time, and even he's turned against me now. Right now his angels are thrashing my body with bundles of thorns. Izzy gasped and lay still for a few seconds to catch her breath, then continued. Not because I told you that I was a witch and I told you some of the secrets about witching and making witch balls. The devils are punishing me by leaving me here sick, drawled up and covered with bed sores and stinking and hurting. No, Zach, God won't have any soul and the devil ain't ready for mine yet. Zachary, exhausted from the weeks of harried nights filled by Izzy's moans and cries, sprawled his weary body across the bed, hoping to steal a few moments of rest. But the brief stillness was broken by Izzy's weak voice wailing. Now, now I feel the devil's clammy hands with his sharp claws are tearing away at my soul. Oh, if he just rip it out of here and throw it into the eternal hellfire like I know where I'm going. Gasping, she writhed her skinny body, her claw-like hands twitch, then death's stillness took over. At the very moment when Izzy's tormented soul finally left her body, some force which Zachary could feel but not see yanked his right arm from the bed and jerked him straight upright. As he sat on the bed, he saw Izzy's familiar, a big black cat, appear out of nowhere. A dark, shapeless shadow seemed to rise from Izzy's body and hung momentarily just above Zachary's head. Then, as he sat there horrified, he saw it float slowly down toward the black cat. It hung over it for a moment, then seemed to be engulfed by the cat. The cat, with a blood-curdling cry, lunged through one of the rag-filled window spaces, bearing the soul of the devil's servant back to its master. The whole community breathed a sigh of relief when the last clot of dirt thudded down on Izzy's grave. Many tales of her evil doings were not related, which folks had never dared speak of when she was alive. 
as collected by James Taylor Adams, Big Laurel, Virginia, June 11th, 1941. all you guys and ghouls out there in the snowy hinterlands. Rock here, along with my co-host Max as always, and tonight we're sitting by the fire, having a good mug of bourbon, and about to drop a few ghost stories for you lovely folks. Hey, welcome everyone. If you follow us on social media, and you definitely should, we had a post, uh, I guess it was a couple weeks back, that was a plea to bring back the telling of ghost stories during the holidays. And, hey... Since Rock and I are clearly men of action. As well as men of leisure, Max. Since we're men of action and leisure, we figure we'd get the ball rolling and drop this bonus Christmas episode of us telling a few ghost stories for your holiday pleasure. Nothing like a few chills while you're wrapping presents and watching the classic stop-motion Christmas shows we all loved as kids. Loved those shows. Still love them. And of course, we're having a nice glass of eggnog and bourbon with the cinnamon stick thrown in for good measure as well as fanciness. So, shall we just jump right on in? Let's do it, my friend. Cheers. Cheers. The old woman's eyes were bloodshot and glazed as she sat in her small house, looking upon the still form of her husband of some fifty winters. The old man fell, clutching his chest as he gathered apples that morning. The parish priest and neighbors came to help the old woman during this time of need. They washed the body, bound his lower jaw with linen, dressed the old man in his Sunday best, and placed him on the large table near the fireplace in their home. The small village then turned up at the old couple's home to pay their last respects and offer comforting words and assurances to the old woman. Many friends volunteered to stay with her through the long night until the funeral in the morning. No, she told them, she would like this time to be alone, to think of all the good times they share together, and for her to ponder her future without him. They grudgingly agreed and left her to her silent vigil. She closed the door and turned to her husband's body. I wonder now if you'll keep your promise, she whispered, as she took the chair nearest the fire. There was more to her solitary watch than met the eye. For years before decades, the couple, then young, had made a pact that whomever should enter death's door first would come back and tell the other what awaited on the other side of that mysterious veil between the living and the dead. The pact was made, the vow was solemn, and now the old woman waited, the logs in the fireplace crackling softly. A quick rap on her front door made her jump. She opened it, and there stood a fair-haired stranger, asking for lodging for the night. It was bad luck to turn away travelers back then, so she nodded and motioned to her husband's body. The stranger had piercing, yet kind eyes, and he bowed his head respectfully as he entered the small home. He swept his cloak off, and the old woman saw that he carried a stout cane of mountain ash. He walked over to the dead man's body and peered intently into his face before settling down in the chair opposite the old woman. I shall keep you company on this vigil, mother, 
Before the old woman could respond, a horrible high-pitched screaming sound broke the stillness of the room. It grew louder, more insistent, and the old man's corpse began to tremble and sit up. His lips pulled back, his face a picture of agony. Yellow teeth inhumanly sharp snapped at the air around him. Quickly but calmly, the stranger touched the dead man's forehead with his cane. Immediately, the sound died away and the corpse prostrated itself, allowing silence to return to the room. The old woman was breathing deeply with her hands covering her ears as she huddled into her chair when the stranger resumed his seat across from her. Her bulging eyes could not leave the corpse of her husband, his once kind face still twisted in agony. Minutes ticked by with the only sound the crackling and breaking of the wood in the fireplace. Just as she began to relax and breathe normally, another swell of anguish from the pit erupted in her home. The cadaver in front of her rising, hollowed eyes seeming to search for something. And just as before, the old man's corpse stopped moving at the touch of the stranger's cane. The comforting peal of the small church bells ringing midnight startled her, and she almost fell out of her chair. Is it over? she asked the stranger. Her eyes longing for confirmation that this new day ended the last nightmarish hour she had endured. As the last echo of the church bell died, the corpse bolted off the table. Its eyes narrowed as its sights set on the old woman. Long clawed fingers wrapped around her neck as a voice cackled madly. I am in hell. You did this to me. Now you'll pay. Then the stranger was upon them, and he struck the corpse again across the back firmly, keeping the mountain ash upon the creature. A look of anguish replaced the rage on the old man's face as the flesh began to melt away like wax in a candle, revealing the stark white bones of the skull beneath. A whoosh of sulfuric air blew in from the chimney, and a creature of ash and fire cloaked in darkness engulfed what remained of her husband and bore him back up the chimney, with winter winds seemingly shaking the very foundations of the small home. Silence reigned once more, the room now cold and dark. The old woman sobbed on the floor, begging for forgiveness. The stranger started the logs again, the soft glow of the fire soon lighting the room. He gently picked up the old woman and guided her to a chair. He shook his head and sighed. The secrets of the dead are not for the living. That fate must always remain a mystery. The old widow watched him open the door and vanish into the night mist. Okay, now... I believe that is why they say ignorance is bliss, am I right? Some things are not for us to know, my man. Some things, frankly, I don't want to know. <laughs> like your credit score? Ha ha, settle down, funny man. <laughs> so seriously, what do you think happened in that story? Like, why was it the old woman's fault that he was in hell? I guess we don't have enough information, but maybe because of the vow? Max, for the forces of heaven and hell to get involved because of a promise two kids made to each other decades before? Seems a bit much. Yeah, I mean, it does, but I don't know, maybe vows, pacts, promises, that sort of thing held more weight back then. Right, right. I guess we weren't the jaded oath breakers we are now, huh? <laughs> Could be. Uh, let me set another log on the fire and let's get into another one, shall we? Sounds good. Pass the bourbon, my friend. Sure thing. In Northern Europe in times past, before the skies became polluted with electric light, the long winter nights were thickly populated with the restless dead. 
the living cuddled together in the scant light, warming themselves by fires and under blankets, and only went out at night in groups and in a rush to get to the safety of the next building. The night did not belong to them, and at certain times, like the winter solstice, when the veil between worlds thinned, it was even more true than normal. However, one day, a woman in a remote village of the northern hinterlands woke early on Christmas morning. It was still dark and would be till quite late in the morning. She heard the pealing of church bells and thought she must have overslept. She did not know the hour, for she was a poor widow without much in the way of modern devices, and clocks were not yet commonplace. But she was a devout woman and determined to celebrate Christmas in church as was her custom. So she dressed in her finest clothes and bundled on her many winter layers and went out into the quiet roads and trudged toward the little church that lay on the far side of the village with only a lantern to light her way. The village was silent, only the sound of water dripping from the eaves and the crunch of her own feet on the snow to accompany her. Everyone else must have been at the church already, so she hurried along through the dark, eager to arrive at the church where there were people and light and warmth. When she opened the church door, she rushed to find a seat, relieved to be in out of the dark and cold winter air, but also a little embarrassed to have overslept. The church was full, rows of hooded heads filled the pews. She hoped to find a place in the back, but there were none to be had. At the front of the church, the priest faced the altar and chanted the liturgy. As she crept up the aisle, looking for an open seat, a voice came from behind her. Miss Ray. And she was gently ushered to the front of the church. The congregants seated there shuffled to the side to make room, but continued singing, not looking up at her. She sat down, and her guide sat down next to her. Still embarrassed, she looked up to thank her helper, but the words died on her lips. The person beside her was her sister, the sister who had died not two months before. Her sister opened her mouth to speak, but no sound emerged, just the smell of earth and decay. Terrified, the woman stumbled to her feet and looked about her, the entire church was filled with dead people of the town. Some newly dead, some bare bones, some with naught left but shadows. Some she recognized, many she did not. Her mouth worked as she struggled to comprehend what she saw, but words, indeed, the very air was stuck in her throat. Finally, she gasped a weak scream. You're dead, she sobbed. You're all dead. As if loosened from a spell by the words of the living woman, the congregation began to rise to reach. They stumbled toward her. Go now. Her dead sister finally coughed out. Or you will join us too soon. Racing down the aisle through grasping hands and chittering teeth, she rushed to the door at the back of the church. Someone grabbed her shawl as she fled the place. She raced to the priest's house, the closest residence. He was just up and preparing himself for mass. Gasping and weeping, she told him her tale after which he led her back to the place, crucifix held high before them both. But the place was empty, utterly quiet. Just inside the door lay her shawl, shredded almost beyond recognition. So much for trying to honor the season by getting your church on in the dark of night. The undead damn near killed her entirely, Max. Exactly. I think I'll just open presents in the safety of my home. Thank you very much. Fortunately, we don't live in a place where we only get six hours of daylight in the Yule season. 
no 30 days of night happening here in Austin, Texas. You feel me? <laughs> True. I'm going to be grilling burgers Christmas morning Jeez. if you want to swing by. Indeed, my friend. Tengo hambre. <laughs> but I think something with more local flavor may be in order, even if we're blessed with temperate weather, which we will be. Are you trying to say Christmas tamales? I can't grill tamales, Rock. You cannot grill tamales, amigo. Disaster every time. I do love Christmas beers and burgers, though. Speaking of local flavor, we have some pretty ghostly tales of our own here in Austin, right? Definitely. Anything specific in mind? In 1861, the Ziller family of Austin, Texas, opened a boarding home on the lower floor of the residence on Pecan Street in Brazos, in the small town on the Colorado River. Austin at the time only had about 4,000 people, a small outpost in a dangerous land. They called the place Missouri House, and over time its purpose evolved. Some say it was even a brothel at one point. But in 1999, the building, on what is now known as 6th Street, was bought and converted into a bar and pool hall called Buffalo Billiards. Employees talk about hearing whispers in upstairs rooms where the family used to live, and the sound of heavy footsteps on the stairs when no one is there. It is said that people coming in to start the evening shift find unstacked chairs and drinks poured after everyone had left. Others have said they've seen bar stools shake and felt tapping on their shoulders. One woman said she found child-sized handprints and chalk on the pool tables, and others have seen children run through the kitchen. Some speak of seeing a Victorian-era woman in a white dress through the windows in the early morning. The local Fox News affiliate went to investigate and talked to Monica Ballard, an employee there at the time. When they asked her if she knew what the ghost might want, a voice with an Irish accent was heard on the recording saying, All I want is a wee bit of attention. The news crews tried to debunk the incident, but were unable to do so. So I don't know if that's cool or scary. I mean, would you want to work there? I don't know. I think I'm okay with what I'm doing now. Been there, done that. True that. And for those of you who haven't listened to Rock's Tales Volume 1, I spent a quick yarn of my time working at Mugshots, a bit of a haunted bar itself. Which, by the way, happy 17th birthday, Mugs. Well done and Merry Christmas. Cheers, let's toast to that. I like this telling ghost stories for Christmas tradition thing. I also like the bourbon and eggnog combo. Me too. We'll have to do this again next year. There's only one problem that I can kind of see. Oh yeah? What's that? Scare you into having Christmas spirit? Very funny. I'm full of Christmas spirit. Or spirits. It is kind of cozy in here. Ah, too scared to sleep, Rock? I ain't scared, Max. You know that. Are you scared? Please. I grew up in a house where a lady in white showed up on occasion. (laughs) No, I mean, of course not. But do you mind driving me home? I I don't want to walk in the dark. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) So everybody, that's going to do it for us tonight on this Christmas Eve. We don't want y'all to miss presents from Santa because we kept you up so late. But don't forget to tell your friends about us. Please follow us online on Facebook, the Gram, Twitter, all that. Also, all we want for Christmas, folks, is some nice reviews on Apple or wherever you listen. Five gold stars. (laughs) 
We'd really appreciate it, guys. <laughs> and her music, as always, is by Teresa Joy. You can follow her on Instagram at Fiobright. That's at V-I-O-B-R-I-T-E. Have a Merry Christmas, people. And as always, sweet dreams. Sweet dreams.